Hi, welcome to Startup Out of the Box, a regular podcast about startups with Marco Silva and Vitor Mingus. On this episode, episode number 18, we're going to talk about two things, exactly, episode 18. We're going to talk about two things. The first one is um, um, an overview of a conference that we went last December. Mm -hmm. I know it's late, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a, rev uh, a brief review of, of the mm -hmm. conference itself. And also afterwards, um, we did an interview with Professor uh, Karsten Meppel. Uh, he's a professor of uh, systems engineering at the University of Warwick at uh, the Cyber Security Center. We discussed with him um, IoT, security, cars, and um, a lot of interesting yeah. stuff that you that you can listen um, um, just in a moment. And the second thing is about um, also security in startups for 2019. Kind of predictions, roundup of a what we overview. think. Exactly. So what we think it's going to happen this year um, around startups for 2019. So... Let's go straight to the to the interview, or should we actually review the conference uh, that we went? Let's go for the interview with, yep. with Professor Kasten. Hi, welcome to Startup Out of the Box with Kasten Maipo. Um, I got your name right this time, yeah. and um, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, a different. So, for the for the people um, at home, they can they know that they know us. We do this uh, this um, uh, podcast about startups, uh, but today it's going to be a bit different because we're going to talk about custom, uh, some tips and some useful awesome things uh, okay. for, for startups, or what do you think about uh, startups, especially in the security um, uh, area? So I, I, I guess one of the things to say, first of all, is that uh, there's tips, but there's challenges, right? Yeah. So, so the best tip is overcome all the challenges. Mm. And if you want to overcome the challenges, understand what the challenges are mm -hmm. so um, startup life in, in the UK and you guys will, will, will know this is different to other places around the world um, so I, I remember a, a government minister asking me a long time ago not, not specifically talking about startups but we, we had been but he said so, so Carsten where's our Google where's our Facebook I said well I'm not convinced we've got the environment for that Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's a bit challenging to get that kind of environment. Of course, we have had successful startups. startups. We, we, we've had um, the odd unicorn in, in the UK. But, you know, somebody who can get multi-millions of pounds for their company, be it Sumley or, or whatever, is, is, is doing pretty well. Um, but I think the first thing that, that, that somebody needs to do is have more than an idea. Hmm. So, so lots of people have an idea, right? Yeah. And especially if we don't act on that idea, we think, oh, look at that, somebody's had that idea, and I had that idea, and I could have made millions, and I missed out on it. I've thought this a lot myself, right? <laughs> <laughs> so execution. Execution. So, right. so, so you need to move, and you need to act, and there are, you know, there are plenty of ideas that have fallen by the wayside for all sorts of reasons. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just miss the zeitgeist. Somebody's there just before you. Or yeah. The timing isn't right, and actually you can be too early yeah. mm -hmm. sometimes. Um, but I think the, the first thing to do is, is to get some people around you. Yeah, so, so get people around you who are going to discuss that idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, yeah. but here in the UK you have a lot of kind of startup groups, right? So um, you can have even accelerators, you can even have stuff within um, academia, right? That can support you to have your own yep. ideas and explore that, uh, that, uh, that option. Do you have something at your, your university that supports startups? So, so Warwick uh, is involved in, in, in some startups and some innovation. It, it's challenging for, for universities in a sense, because if we think about professors, mm -hmm. yeah, that's quite easy in Stanford, for mm. example 
because or, or MIT because there's that culture. We're a little bit more scared. More conservative in that, yeah, that sense. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's not just being conservative, but it's also there is a fear. Okay. Right. So, so it's it's a bit more than just being conservative because we can, we can be adventurous in a sense, but we won't take risks. Okay. So if if, if one thinks if you have an idea, yeah, and it's a good idea, there's access to to people to discuss it and people who've made businesses before in the U.S. Um, here it's more difficult, and I will talk about an accelerator program in a minute that there is in the UK. But, you know, somebody's going to have to give up their job for a year, mm-hmm. and we, we get assessed every sort of seven years. And if we take a year out and it doesn't work, that's a year that we sort of yeah. lost that we exactly. didn't yeah. like, a professor. The paper or something like that. You know, the, the ecosystem in the US is, is really strong. So for somebody to give 200 grand, $200,000 to a professor, Actually, that's not a bad deal, right? Because you're going to get a professor who's pretty decent, going to do some good work, even if it doesn't turn out into a major... Sort of, you'll, you'll get something out of it. Mm-hmm. So actually, it's, it's, it's not a bad business model. But in the UK, um, there isn't that quite that access to finance. It's quite charging. But there are some new cyber accelerator programs. Yeah. So, so, so GCHQ and the National Cybersecurity Centre mm-hmm. have done some really good stuff on, I think they're on their third round of accelerators. So they've had 10 um, companies, the, the, sec- the, or, uh, the second lot have already been through, and they're giving them some mentorship. And you know, I met mm. one of those companies the other day and they were doing some really interesting stuff. So there's some opportunity okay. now. There is going to be a new program. I think we're in the IET today. Yeah. Um, and upstairs at the conference, I, I think you'll see there's one of the stands about um, the uh, a cyber um, accelerator for academics, mm-hmm. an academic cyber accelerator. Oh, which that's is deliberately kind of intriguing for that one. Yeah. So, so that's that's a, that's a newish kind of thing. Okay. Um, it's aligned with other initiatives and strategies that the UK have got in the general accelerator space but this one specifically for academics okay um, and I do know some so, so some colleagues I've got have, have, have got some starts but you know the other things as well I haven't got the energy that you young guys have got you know what I mean <laughs> oh yes we do we, obviously we don't want to go sofa surfing you know what I mean <laughs> no, we've got I, I, like, to like, I like my own place my own bed I'm, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I want my own room yeah <laughs> Um, uh, sorry, so you mentioned that um, Warwick has some kind of accelerator program. Uh, so so they're involved in innovation in a number yeah. of different ways, you know. So, for example, we're just opening next year the National Automotive Innovation Center. Okay. So sometimes we will encourage some startups, and in fact, there is um, in in Warwick, there's one of Minerva. So it's called is is the largest angel investor group outside of London that's okay. what I heard okay. so um, they're doing some, some, some stuff to encourage and encourage academics but we, we look at innovation in a whole piece okay mm-hmm. which says that innovation might be to develop a pattern and then what we'll do is we'll license it okay or we'll create innovation and work in partnership where maybe we just get royalty free use of the technology right. but we try and see the whole ecosystem okay uh, you know the whole sort of spectrum of engagement on innovation, but, but Warwick is very innovative. So considering uh, your presence uh, in different accelerators and in Warwick, we're helping academia with research and innovation, what are the main, let's say, three areas that you think that 
people need to focus more well in your area in privacy and security where do you, where do you see that more focus should be done uh, yeah. for the next couple of years so, so, so there's a lot of challenges that need to be solved okay? mm-hmm. so if we talk about startups in, in, in security then you, you mentioned one thing that there's been a big shift in legislation this year is GDPR mm-hmm. across mm-hmm. Europe mm-hmm. Um, and that's also been reflected uh, around the world so, so um, I was recently at an event and the Canadians were talking about how they want to implement something similar, similar and, the, yeah. and, and you know the US companies mm-hmm. because Europe's a big market are actually employing GDPR I'm just thinking well, well sort, something sort of they're not employing well, they, full they, GDPR well they need to they, they have to in, the, yeah. in, in Europe yeah. but they're saying we're not just going to do something specific to Europe we'll do it across but, but that is the thing when you said sort of <laughs> there are challenges around GDPR um, and privacy in general okay especially in internet of things in urban yeah. environments you know so how do I actually manage properly my privacy uh, um, requirements so um, there's, a, there's a project out at CMU uh, now on privacy preservation and mm-hmm. trying to say, get some automation some work I'm doing with some people down at um, Southampton uh, around you know how can we get agents to, to sort of infer what we might want to do around sure. privacy so mm-hmm. that, that, that's academic work but that leads into potential services because I think people are a little concerned about how their data is being used so the, the, there could be a lot of services that help me manage all of that, my interactions mm. um, around privacy. And that then also comes around to understanding the secure nature of systems. So I, I guess the two things I'm touching on there are privacy in IoT systems, large IoT, because it's so difficult. There aren't the interfaces we normally have. You engage with lots of different yeah devices at any time and security and has security been one of the security in, in, in those th- because I'd, I'd like to know when I'm walking around you know if my data is being used and I'm transferring it the, the, how the, secure is that don't you think that when it comes to IoT you should devices and companies should follow any kind of certification towards security because yep. otherwise everyone can implement their own security methods and whatever so, but so there are no real you know IoT and I, I wrote a paper on this freely available actually on the <laughs> journal for cyber policy so please go and read it we'll but, put the um, link <laughs> but the, the, the thing is um, IoT came out of a number of different areas mm-hmm. didn't it because you had a lot yeah. of machine to machine stuff you t- took some RFID kind of mm-hmm. innovations you've got you know Mark Weiser's idea of pervasive systems and ubiquitous computing and that um, so it came from a number of different areas and actually the standards can conflict a little. There are some challenges, right? Because if we think about IoT in smart cities, mm-hmm. you've got the infrastructure, you've got the vehicles. It's actually quite a challenge. And I've also written with, with someone from Costain about those challenges of standards. So there isn't, you know, a one-size-fits-all standard says, so, oh, I'll do that. Um, but there are a number of guidelines. So to, today we're here at the IoT Security Foundation mm-hmm. Conference. Uh, and they've got a, a compliance framework and some best practice guides. And really, we need to make sure that people are implementing mm-hmm. as good a security as they can, mm-hmm. but without def- mandating a specific thing. Because you've got to understand that businesses won't do that. Mm-hmm. It is too challenging. So, so if you say, it I is. want you to use uh, 256 ECC or something yeah. like that, then they're going to say, well, no, I'm not going to do that. I think one of the, the main topics that are 
that they have been talking about today uh, regarding the IoT devices, what the, the recurrent um, theme. theme, yeah, and uh, advice to people that are investing in IoT, uh, but also manufacturers is buy devices that can update themselves because the biggest issues that we have had so far regarding attacks and hacks have been because of devices that they can't update themselves. They're basically, when you buy them, you deploy them, that's it. That's whatever firmware was inside, that's it. Uh, so a lot of speakers so far have been talking about if you're going to release an IT device, make sure that you can update it in, in an easy way for the user, stuff like that, because if there's an attack, at least you can fix that bug and the person yeah. is safe in that, in that way. Of, of course, that, that, mm -hmm. that, that's really important. And I, I think now most IoT devices have got that because they've got ways to call back to the mothership. Hopefully. But I think it's important <laughs> that they, they do recognize, and goodness me, it's, it's terrible if they don't, that rather than just sending data back, um, you need to be updating. But, you know, I, I'm thinking companies would do that not necessarily from a security perspective, yeah. but rather from changing the functionality of the device. So it's, you, you'd yeah. be just crazy not to, to have that. Because yeah. uh, well, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the, the, the kind of the consumer view of this, the, these devices. So I remember a few years ago, if we just bought any kind of toy, um, at least in Europe, I think in the UK, it seems the same. Um, they had this kind of... Um, uh, European yeah, certification. The CE mark. Exactly. CE mark, that that yeah. meant that it was safe uh, to a specific age or it was safe for kids and stuff like yep. that. Can we have this kind of so stamp been, for security? Been, so it's a really good question and that's been talked about today and there's been lots of talk about that uh, and some of the reason about why we can't have that. Okay. So, so one of the challenges mm -hmm. around that is, is what does that standard mean? What is that trust mark? What's that kite mark mean? Mm -hmm. So, and it, it's, you know, if, if I buy a doll, for yeah. example, then what I know is there's been a certain set of tests that have happened, yeah. right? So, you know, and it may say, you know, it, it may mean that there's no small bits that someone could, a child could choke yeah, on. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the one thing is with security, we have to think, what does that mean? What, what are we going to assure? And as we've got these dynamic systems, mm -hmm. how do we assure? Because I can put a stamp on something, and, and what am I saying? It's secure. Well, I, we know that you can't really say something secure, oh, you can, right? You, you can say something like, we're going to update, we're going to review security uh, policies for this device every six months. Can so, mean something like that, right? So, so, so something like that happened in the trusty mark. Okay. Trust, and then an E at the end, uh, mark for web pages. Got came in for some criticism, <laughs> but did people really understand it? And what does it mean? Yeah. You know. So if you say I'm going to update every six months, well, what happens if there's a vulnerability the day after it? Yeah, it it's just yeah. been updated. Yeah. So, so that's a challenge. And then, how do we guarantee that that you see? Because with a CE mark, you could test it. You know, you might be able to set fire to something, say, you know, some piece of clothing and say it's resistant to this. But how does that translate? And I'm not saying it's not possible. And I'm not saying there's not work in the area. Uh, there's some work going on that's funded by the UK government on cybersecurity of vehicles. And I, I, oh, yes. I've talked yeah. about that before. But, but there are challenges that we have to understand. It's still a long way to go before we can... Yeah. No, the thing just is understand what, what, what is that assurance or that... Yeah, badge that giving stamp, you. Yeah. Okay. But so we, can, we can start with something, right? Instead of just indeed, indeed. Uh, spending endless time 
thinking about the best solution. You can implement something think, and then integrate it's afterwards. Really, it's a really good know. point. That's, that's hard for academics. Right? <laughs> no, exactly. Because there's holes in the solutions every time, and then you're right. We, we end up doing nothing. But yeah, they said, uh, don't don't let perfection be the the enemy yeah, of good. Exactly. You know, so. um, I, I, I I just have one more question for my side. So, and it comes again to startups, and because. Looking at the market, what I feel is that anyone can have and build their own idea, build a product and put that, put that on the market, have an application or something, develop their product, develop their startup. But I f what I feel is that security for them comes at last, mm -hmm. just the last thing they mm -hmm. do. Yeah. And what we see is data leaks, emails, passwords, whatever. Everything oh, yes. is out there. The company is losing a lot of money. I, I don't feel... We were just in by the end of 2018, and people didn't they didn't feel that they should invest in security up front when they develop their own thing, uh, their own uh, startup. But how can we change this? So, so, so it's a really good point that you're saying. It's a really tough one, and it's about the economics, not just of security. But if we go back ages ago, about the security of testing, the economics of testing, right? Because. Mm -hmm. um, It, it costs you, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about that in a moment. But what one should do always is start from a good baseline. And uh, in the UK, the Department for Digital Culture, Media, and Sport (DCMS) yes, yeah. they've created some some guidance that came out just last month, the month before, uh, which was a code of practice for consumer IoT. 13 steps, quite easy. Don't shit with default passwords. You know, these kind of things are things that you can do at the design stage, really easy. Have a vulnerability disclosure statement. Not hard, mm -hmm. right? Get these things, and that should be a tick list that's done straight away first. Yeah. Then you've got things about, is it secure and how, how do you test? And that's what's challenging, right? And that it, as I said, it's the same for testing because you can keep testing something, but unless there's some, something that says, here is the standard test that I have to do for safety, for example, like a car, then you think, well, where do I stop? And security testing is, is, is really mm. hard. So there's a question there about when have I done enough? And, and, and the answer should be that you've done enough to make sure that that product is safe mm -hmm. because if, if anything happens, a safety issue happens and somebody dies, for example, you're going to go to court and someone's going to say, did oh, yes. you do enough? Yeah. And you're mm -hmm. going to have to produce evidence and say, yeah, look, these are the things I did. And, you know, especially it's a in IoT. Thing. Yeah, especially so, People can die, actually, if you... Yeah. Put that on the car or yeah. the machine or something like that. Or even medical devices. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Medical yeah. Device. And, and so I think we need people need to think about that. Oh my goodness, I could end up in, in jail. Um, mm -hmm. But going beyond that to make sure it's, it's beyond reasonable mm -hmm. is a challenge because so far security isn't something we're willing to pay more for. I don't think. You know, uh, we haven't seen the evidence that someone says there's two widgets. One of them's more secure. This one's 30 quid. That one's 35 quid, and it's more secure. Which do you want? People go, and, and this is quite obvious why, because they go, I don't understand how that one's more secure. What does it do different for me? Yeah, What's that five quid getting me? And, and you can't relate it to something. The majority, so if they can't, the developers can't. Yeah, the majority of the people will follow convenience, and usually price is the most convenient factor. It's just the thing yeah. that they understand. Yeah. <laughs> they understand that. So, mm -hmm. if I'm not going to pay more as a consumer, then you as a startup, a developer, you're going to struggle to, to say, I'm going to spend that money. And Especially because it'll slow you down as well. Yeah, and to be honest with you, that's not going to change in the near future because um, we can have highly secure environments, 
but they still have leaks and people sure. don't understand why they pay more to be more secure yeah. and the leaks and the hacks yeah. continue to I'm, I'm paying more but I don't know that doesn't give me that's definitely secure now yeah. well for example yeah, so you, had, you had an example people, problem, yeah. Yeah, now the example was a Marriott Hotel so that's a five star chain hotel yeah. people pay a lot of money to stay in that hotel well their data is just public now on the internet they, yeah. they, they got hacked since 2014 yeah. and, and well, to be a, to be a, or Holiday Inn cheap, cheaper chains so far nothing happened so. yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you I don't think that we need to provide all of that information to hotels to make a reservation but that's kind of a that's, a, <laughs> that's point. something you should look at sometime right about identity there's some work yeah. going on in the UK in the home office I'm doing some work with them as, as well but that's about when I want to buy a beer yeah, I do typically yeah. show my driving license. Mm -hmm. That's got loads of information on you. It does. Yeah. yeah. So, so the the government in the UK has got the verify uh, ID program. program. Yeah. Is it still up? I thought they killed it. Or no, it's no, definitely not. Okay. Killed because I, I was on it recently, and and that's a worthy of you doing a podcast on one of your things. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes. Oh, yeah. so. Well, that. Okay. So for startups, the advice would be just look at some default uh, baselines, like frameworks out there. And like yeah. some bullet points, just to protect yourself, right? Yeah. Just check so the basis. Follow best practice, and, and and those guidelines, they're not hard. Codes of practice, and that it, they're not saying. And for most they're not mandating the type yeah. of security that you need or, yeah. or anything. They're saying, do good endeavors, you know. So, yeah. so they should do that. Find, find there's plenty of niches in the market mm -hmm. around security and privacy at the, at the minute. Managing authentication to systems, you mm -hmm. know. I, I was advising one company. The, got a 35 million dollar a round uh just last year you know there's there's, there's big opportunity yeah okay. in, in this area excellent cool cool thank you very much no thank worries. you cheers we're back so, so um what do you thought about the, the conference it itself um if you still remember <laughs> what, what happened there so the conference was the iot uh, foundation conference for 2018 yep uh, and it was a bit of an overview of what's happening regarding iot security so you had different topics from uh GDPR, mm -hmm. what companies need to worry about GDPR, about data, about compliance. Uh, but some tracks were about physical security of IoT devices. Yes. Uh, others were about frameworks and uh, what's happening policy-wise yep. to ensure the safety of IoT uh, devices. Uh, so so it, it was a lot about awareness. It was about compliance and, um, and obviously IoT and security. And, and w w where do we... Mm -hmm. need to put uh, security in this con world of connected devices where yeah. everything is kind of smart and needs to be secured. Um, we had a different... I, I must say that some of the presentations, they sounded like, I don't know, 80% sales pitch, 20% um, something really <laughs> juicy and, and useful for us to uh, to figure out. Yep. Um, they, they also had uh, a small uh, space when they have um, kind of... Uh, company's booth where people could talk mm -hmm. about products and can discuss different things there. But 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 for me, what I really uh, probably enjoy more most was about um, the networking mm -hmm. side of the of the event itself, where people could actually yeah. talk about this, exchange contacts, and and um, and get to know each other. Yeah, yeah. I think the the talks were a bit more focused on the executive side yeah. about bringing awareness of what they should worry about in their companies regarding IoT. Uh, but there were a lot of attendees that you would say are not at the executive level, the hands-on. So there were some really good insights and some context we got out of there. And talking about, a lot of talking about cars, actually. 
It, it was, was quite interesting in the IoT that you usually people think about the fridges yeah. and stuff like that. There's a lot of conversations about cars. Cars and connected cars, yeah. Um, uh, actually, that was one of the things that we discussed with yeah. Professor Carsten. Um, he's a, he's a, a long-time uh, friend, and, and it's really interesting to have this discussion with him. Um, with the, the place where we did the interview, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, was the kind of uh, library slash um, coffee shop yeah. of the... Uh, what was it? The uh, uh, IET something. Uh, it was. No, it wasn't a far. Uh, far. Uh, uh, it far was, cage. No. Ha, no. A far cage building. No. Faraday. Faraday. Far cage. <laughs> Faraday, yeah, Faraday, Faraday building, but yeah, uh, well, it was, cage, yeah, so. it, it was, it was really interesting, uh, all of that, and and actually to know the mm-hmm. building and to know um, the the history of it, and and also about the event. But um, that's pretty much the first topic for today's episode. Um, the second one is um, security in startups for 2019. So, mm-hmm. bottom line, um, do do you think that startups need to worry about security this year or? they should actually start worrying about security. They should start worrying about security since... Uh, the beginning 19- of the days. <laughs> <laughs> 1994. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, security for startups has always been a bit of a sore subject or something forgotten. Eventually, we will get there. We don't worry about mm. it. That's usually the mentality for startups regarding security, and that needs to change. Uh, of course... Um, that doesn't need to be the most perfect product in the world once in the while you're developing it but once you want de- to start developing always take in consideration the best practices uh most of the frameworks nowadays from ruby on rails uh to flask Django. Yeah. So all most of the, the common frameworks that people use nowadays have best practices implemented in them take advantage of that uh, take advantage of the best practices from uh, amazon cloud yeah, or is, google cloud stuff like that they have good best practices and Developers need to take that in consideration from day one. But don't you think that? Uh, well, for me, security within startups it's um, it's a matter of managing uh, the risk versus compliance, yeah. right? Because you need to um, put your product out there, but mm-hmm. you actually need to figure out how you're going to be compliant with, uh, the, let's say, the data that you're going to gather yeah. from that that product, but also the risk that you're going to take when you put something out there. Of course. But the thing is, when you look at that, uh, and 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 I find this kind kind of common. It it is uh, startup just see this as something to add up and not mm-hmm. actually take it seriously um, that's kind of my, my point of view because um, obviously they're going to take security measures when it comes mm-hmm. to devices and stuff on the cloud and network and stuff like that but they actually they're probably not going to look at their, the code that they're building and that's probably where the most right now security breaches will occur mm-hmm. um, within startups it's not going to be on the physical side on the network but actually on the code that they're going to mm-hmm. produce for their products and stuff like that that's kind of the overall, overall view at, okay, of I, what I have from I, startups okay, I would moment. say nowadays it's a it's a mix. Most of it, uh, like fifty percent, let's say, uh, comes from misconfiguration mm-hmm. of their infrastructure. Yeah, exposed databases, default passwords, things like that. Uh, but also a big part of it comes from, like you said, the, the applications are not developed properly, and they would allow stuff like cross-site scripting, uh, like uh, SQL injection. So mm-hmm. those are things that usually. So we've been talking about these problems yeah. for years yeah. and years. The OWASP 
top 10 at uh, top 10 for uh, yeah. t- uh, mo- uh, most common vulnerabilities in web applications it's basically been the same for uh, years yeah. and every year it's all the same problems yeah. appear there but but uh, but also for startups you uh, the thing is that probably either they don't know how to address this mm-hmm. or they think that it's going to be too expensive right because um, they need to focus probably their money, their investment, mm-hmm. rather on pushing the product, the product to the street yeah. and to develop and to users. And probably they think that security is going to come last because after they get the users, then they start worrying about that. Yeah, and because usually, they think that is, is, it is expensive. But the thing is, I don't think that security is expensive. Most of the stuff that you can mm-hmm. do, you can hire services from other companies, yeah. other startups that can make things secure for you, right? And the reputation-wise, it will affect you big time if something happens. So, for oh, example, yes. uh, Snapchat in the beginning, uh, when Snapchat uh, got famous in the first year, uh, people figured out that they could access everyone's pictures because the pictures were in an open storage. Yeah. Like, that's just a simple configuration check and no one thought about doing that. Yeah. Like, it's something that's quite simple. That's not expensive to do, just making sure, like, okay, can people access the yeah. directory with the pictures or yes or no? That's not an expensive feature. No, it's not, yeah. So that's really thought at, that's not going into the process. Uh, do, don't you think that the, the whole GDPR thing in Europe is going to help people to the, the whole awareness of security and to be more careful about the stuff that they're going to do with data because actually yeah. they're going to be prosecuted they're going to have fines and, and stuff like that so mm-hmm. do you think that maybe this year is going to be the year it's not Linux on that stuff but <laughs> well, it's going it, to be the year of of, uh, start, of, of, of startups thinking more about security and data yeah. GDPR uh, is, is helping a lot uh, yeah. there's uh, it's scaring a lot of people more than it should some people are taking this like it's the monster oh my god we're all gonna die we won't be able to create any nothing anything else again because of GDPR but no you can still create your own startup your own project GDPR won't stop you doing that because, so it's making people think about what they are doing mm. how they are doing it what data they need how they're going to protect the data so people are starting to take that in consideration much earlier in the process than before okay and how do you think that that uh, startups because this is mm-hmm. obviously one of the, the areas of your expertise how do you think startups will what kind of steps do they need to take to actually feel more protected and feel more secure um, we also talk about the code the infrastructure but where do you think that they should focus first Huh. That's a good point. Uh, so it's going to depend on the, each startup because if you just use like infrastructure as a service, uh, there's not much that you can mm. do. Uh, if you have to manage your infrastructure like uh, on top of Amazon or Google, that's your responsibility. At least don't expose everything. Just what you exactly what you need. Um, there are some tools out there that shows that that can show you your exposure. Yeah. So just look into that, but. Start with your code and use the best practices. I, I, I think that, um, and because in in the light of mm-hmm. G, uh, GDPR, mm-hmm. I think that um, for any startup, data is going to be a liability. Mm-hmm. So that's where they probably need to focus their security on mm-hmm. first. How right. to secure user data first. Yeah. Forget about infrastructure. Infrastructure can be rebuilt, yeah. can be redone, can you can put anything around there. But if you're going to lose your data, and if you're going to get a fine after that because yeah. you lost data, or because someone stole something, yeah. or because you're um, uh, uh, storing data that mm-hmm. doesn't belong to you, that's going to be a huge issue yeah. for any kind of startup that's going to appear in the market yeah. or, or that's already working there. So for me, the focus should be data, right? So 
do not leave database databases open with default username and password. <sighs> don't so don't don't start it on S3 without be without being encrypted. Focus on that first. Yeah, and uh, don't store data that you don't need. Even yes. if you think, oh, we might need this data in six months, don't. No, don't, don't do that. Think if you think about that when you get to that problem. Yeah. Don't store data that you right. that you don't need. <laughs> right, and then probably for the last one because uh, we, mm-hmm. we discussed the GDPR. Uh, one of the functions of the um, that companies need to comply with the GDPR is to have some kind of CISO um, internally or someone that could manage the, the data and yep. stuff like that. Do you think that startups need that kind of function, someone that could look at security and data? Or do you think that, I don't know, let's say for the first year until they have something out there, they actually don't they don't need anyone to do the security for them? Well, likely, uh, luckily for startups, uh, the GDPR does bring an exception that if your company is uh, below a certain threshold yeah. of employees or size you don't need to have uh, what would be a, like a DPO a data protection officer or a CISO you don't need to have that so they have some excep- exceptions for startups if you're growing if you're still like five or six people the rules are more lenient yeah. uh, but even so there should be someone in the company that knows exactly what data the company has where it's stored but, uh, how the data is being used it's essential that someone in the company knows that because if someone comes and knocks at the door and asks them Someone needs to know how to answer those questions. Do you think that security should be an, an executive thing for the CEO or a technical thing for the CTO to take care of? I'm just asking. Deep, like, that's a good question. I'm you not, don't have an answer. I don't have an answer for that one uh, because if you look like in other in big corporations, usually the CISO it's not a security. Per, it's yeah. not a, well, it's a security person, but it's not. Most of the time, a technical person because it's processes. And most of the time, security comes from processes and best practices and guidelines, stuff like that. The technical side is usually just a small part of it. Uh, Most of the hacks we see happening come from people, can be companies because they don't have patch management processes. They don't have uh, asset management. That's processes again. They people don't know exactly what. Uh, so you're giving me the answer. The answer is going to be executive. It's yeah, going to be basically the focus. It's going to be for the CEO, not the CTO to take care of. Yeah, the, the CTO obviously will take care of security, but that's more kind of um, operational way and, mm-hmm. and more uh, technical way. The most in, uh, important one is about compliance practices, processes, and that probably is going to come from, from yeah. the CEO, for someone. The, with the executive power that can mm-hmm. actually uh, do things. Yeah, I have an overview of yeah. what's going on, yeah. And that's it. Uh, so, uh, episode 18, uh, the first one for 2019 from our side. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of the d- different numbers. And um, <laughs> and see you next week. And it's a year of Linux on the desktop. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, it's running on Windows. It is. So, you see, there, there we go. We got it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Bye.